All those songs were so beautiful. But it uh, is so great to just talk about victory, isn't it? The victory's won. Like you're saying, the victory's won. Uh, the victory has been won. The victory is won. The victory, we always have victory in Christ. Even when we don't, we're more than conquerors. And so when I talk about these different uh, people groups all over the world that haven't been reached, I just know they're going to be reached. That's what excites me. This is uh, another very large group that uh, just has never been reached. They're called the Danuk, D-H-A-N-U-K, and that unique Danuk. They live in a specific area of India, uh, and there are about four million of them. Uh, they are bound by demonic forces that have created horrific child labor. So the children are forced to work at the youngest of ages. Uh, great poverty, great illiteracy, and the majority of the men are alcoholic. And uh, you see how the evil one works. There are about four million of them. Uh, they build their houses in clusters in river basins and on the edges of forests. They are committed to fishing and taking care of animals, and many work in agriculture and as household servants. They are bound, not in a certain sense, by Hinduism. They're not even really committed to their Hinduism, but, but what really, really controls them is magic, witchcraft, and ghosts. They're absolutely controlled by magic, uh, witchcraft, and ghosts. They're divided into two groups, depending on whether they worship Kali, and if they do, they're called Kaliyaha, and others are called Maharikya. They speak nearly 30 different languages, so church planning projects will need to accommodate those. There has never been a single known follower of Jesus among the Danuk community. They also live in an environment where all the people around them are unbelievers. So when they show the areas of India they live, especially in the north, they live in areas where they are not uh, exposed to believers. So we really need to pray for them, amen, and for God to work. How can they call on him whom they have not believed? How can they believe in him whom they have not heard? How can they hear without a messenger? How can they message unless they are sent, amen? So I'm glad someone clicked here. 1,154 people were praying for them when I clicked on there. So isn't that good? So if uh, somebody would pray for the 4 million, 4.2 million. Uh, Danuk people in India, in northern India. Well, I get excited when I see the miracles that we've seen this afternoon. And uh, if you ha care that much about all these things we've talked about, and many, many in the list we could list, we know you care about 4.2 million beautiful Danuk people created in your image and in your glory who are overwhelmed by magic, witchcraft, and ghosts and who are treated poorly and lowly because of their low status, but they do not have a low status in you. We thank you that you don't look down on anyone, so we're asking, seeking, and knocking, especially like you told us to pray, Jesus, your own words. You said, ask the Lord of the harvest to thrust out laborers into his harvest field. So that's what we're doing, exactly what you told us to do. We're asking you, Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, to thrust out many laborers into the Danuk harvest field. And we're praying for a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit and a great work of grace where multitudes of these people could be brought into your kingdom. And we pray with great faith for millions of Danuk 
followers of Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. So we'll ask that other fellow to sneak over here too. <laughs> you snuck over here. So that's a good thing to do. Don't you love the ways, Lord, the Lord's ways? I tried to, uh, we have one, but I couldn't find it this morning. So as Joel talked about one of these lamps. And, uh, what kind of lamp is that now? No lamp. Joel's already told us. There's no, no plug to that one, is it? Can you actually see the bottom? Uh, I like this picture because you can see the basin. You see the place where you fill up the oil? So no plug. So what do you have to do to the lamp? You have to refill it. And so we certainly needed something like that. We lost power for 30 hours. That's no fun, is it? And about the end of the 30 hours, we were getting pretty short with one another. <laughs> we, were, we, we were really ready for some electricity, <laughs> which wasn't supposed to come till late Friday night at 10 p.m., but then it came four hours earlier, praise the Lord, at 6 o'clock. But, you know, if, uh, if John Mark had one of those and he's uh, parading around the uh, house, trying to be able to see, and then all of a sudden he comes to me and he says, uh, uh, Pastor Brian, uh, I've got a problem. And I say, well, what's your problem, John Mark? And he says, look at my, my basin. And I say, wow, John Mark, you hardly have any oil left in your basin. And so he comes to me and he says, Pastor Brian, would you mind sharing a little bit of your oil so that I can have some fuel to keep my fire burning? What would I tell him? What do you think I'd tell him? Yes, I'd give him some oil. So I'd say, uh, John Mark, i got plenty. Here's some. So you can fill yours up and so that your light can keep burning. All right, that makes sense, doesn't it? But there's one place in all of the Bible, isn't that true? There's only one place. There's one place where you can't share your oil. Isn't that remarkable? There's one place in the Bible that you can't share your oil with anybody. And so we're going to read that passage, and then in the Lord's ways, hopefully we'll have some time to talk about that. So you find that uh, at the end of Matthew 24, so I'll read that, where you can't share your oil. So let's read from Matthew uh, 24. Actually, it starts at 25, my mistake, 25 verse 1. Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to ten young ladies. So they're, they're ten ladies, they're young. Ten young ladies who took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. They had their oil lamp, just like that, just like that. Five of them were foolish young ladies. <laughs> Five of them were wise young ladies. The foolish took their lamps, but took no extra oil with them. But the wise ladies took oil in flask along with their lamps. So that's smart, isn't it? So they had their lamp, but they actually filled up some flask with extra oil with their lamps, took oil with their lamps. While the bridegroom was delaying, everybody got drowsy. And what do you think happened to them all? They all fell asleep. They were tired, fell asleep. At midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom, come out and meet him. So all ten woke up, and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish five asked the wise five, give us 
some of your oil because our lamps are going out. And uh, the wise ones answered, no, they couldn't. There won't be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some extra oil for yourselves. While they were going away to make that purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. Later, the other five young ladies came. Lord, Lord, they said, open up for us. But he answered and said, truly I say to you, I do not know you. And then Jesus takes these stories, and aren't you glad that he applies them to us at the end? And so his application was very simple. Be ready. Be on the alert. Be ready. Live in readiness for you do not know the day nor the hour. In Jesus' name. Really powerful, isn't it? So what we have been talking about a lot is learning how not to get ready, but how to live in readiness. And so what we're going to do is talk a little bit more about asking the Lord to teach us how to learn to live in readiness. Here's an oil you can't give away. John Mark can't give his to Allison. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Allison can't give some to Philip. So this is the only kind of oil you can't share with anybody else. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, be our instructor so that the words, the holy, holy, holy word of God might come alive and be hidden in our hearts to bear much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He who has an ear, she who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying in these last days. Can you amen that? She who has an ear, he who has an ear, let them hear in these last days what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I say to you, Matthew 24, 33, when you see all these things, Mark or Booty or any of us, Candace in this room, when you see all these things, recognize that Jesus is near at the what? Door. Matthew 24, 33. We've been talking about the leaven, right? From Matthew 24, 4 through 14. I'll say them again real quick. It's worth listening again. Jesus says, when you see these signs, recognize that I am near at the door. Sign number one was false teachers and false teaching everywhere. Number two, war. Number three, famine. Number four, earthquake, national disasters. Number five, he calls them birth pains and very specifically says, when you see all these things, Joel, do not fear. Do not fear. And as birth approaches, the intensity of the contractions and the frequency of the contractions both increase, correct? So these signs will increase both in their frequency and in their intensity. Do not fear, Philip. Do not be afraid. Number six, there will be worldwide persecution hated by all nations on account 
I mean, number seven, worldwide apostasy, people falling away left and right. Number eight, he repeats it, false teaching, false teachers everywhere. Number nine, the lawlessness love contrast. Lawlessness will increase all over the world. Unleashed demonic evil will manifest itself everywhere. And the love of most will what? Grow cold, but like Candace said, not the church. No sirree. Number 10, victorious overcomers. The church will shine with the glory of the Lord. He's not coming back for a dirty bride. She will be beautiful. She will shine with his love and his glory. This will be the greatest age of the church as she is woken up by the kiss of the prince and made spectacularly beautiful. Hallelujah. Victorious overcomers. And number 11, victorious gospel. This gospel of the kingdom will destroy the works of Satan in every race, every culture, in every language, in every place. This cross will triumph over this planet and the Lamb who is worthy will receive the full glory of His name as the whole world will be full of His glory. Hallelujah. It will happen. Hallelujah. Well, good news. These things will happen. So I encourage you to keep meditating on those and that these things indeed will happen. I think I actually lost where my right notes were, but that's all right. Amen. Well, anyway, the Lord is teaching us to learn to live in readiness. Amen? Amen. So we've been looking at seven pictures or stories which are very specifically designed to teach us to learn how to live in readiness. And I want to look at number three and number four today. So let's look at number three, Matthew 24, verse 45. The faithful, wise, working servant. Matthew 24, verse 45. Matthew 24, verse 45. Remember, he gives seven different pictures and stories all with the same specific general application of learning how to live in readiness so that you can learn how to live every single day as if it might be your face-to-face day with Jesus. But then in the specific stories, he gives different specific applications. So this is about a particular servant who is faithful, wise, working, and a servant. Let me read starting in verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master will put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is the servant whom the master finds so working when he comes. Truly I say to you, he'll put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master's not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant is going to come on a day when he doesn't expect him, at an hour when he doesn't know, and he will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. Weeping will be there and the gnashing of teeth. Amazing words, isn't it? So when he lists this servant, there are four things I want you to catch because there are four things when Laura or anyone in this room might ask, how do I learn to live in readiness? Well, when he describes this man, there are four things he says about him. Number one, he's what? Faithful. He's a faithful. Number two, he's what? Wise. He's faithful. He's wise. Number three, what's he doing? He's working. He's working. Number four, 
Number four, what? Servant. He's a servant. Exactly. So you want to learn how to be ready. Number one, what do you and I want to be? Faithful. Lord, teach me how to be what? Faithful. Have you ever thought about that much? Do you ever spend much time thinking, what does it mean for Brian to be faithful? To be faithful to my Father, to be faithful to Jesus, to be faithful to the Holy Spirit. I want to be what? Faithful. Have you noticed how many times in Scripture when it describes that, it focuses on what? Small things. You tell me what says that? Yeah. He says if you're faithful in the small things, you'll what? You'll be faithful in the big things. So it's interesting that Scripture often talks about things that we often don't even think about. Have you ever thought about that? You know, what does it mean just to be faithful in the small things? Just to be a faithful person. Full of faith, obviously. Full of faith. You can't be faithful without being full of faith. But to be faithful in small things means I'm listening to Jesus, right? I'm learning what he's teaching me. I'm doing what? Putting it into practice. How many times in Scripture does it say practice these things? Practice these things. Practice these things. I think sometimes we forget when we think so much of, you know, Christianity is an intellectual re religion. I'm thankful. You're supposed to think. <laughs> you know? Use your head. You know? Use your brain. Use your mind. Exercise your intellect. Amen? We're supposed to. But the whole point is to be putting what we're learning into what? Practice. And I think the thing we forget sometimes is that the way Jesus wants you to grow is learning how to practice things, even small things. And sometimes you just have to repeat kindergarten 12 times. You know, you're 21 years old, you're still in kindergarten. It's not that you're not smart enough to graduate from kindergarten. You're not putting into practice the things Jesus is trying to teach you. That's why you need to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Learn how to listen to the Father. Learn how to listen to Jesus. Let God show you the things He's trying to take from His Word to teach you practical lessons to put into practice the things He's teaching you to do. Amen? Put them into practice. God just wants you to be faithful. And a lot of times it's just in really small things. Amen? You don't have to save the world. <laughs> just be faithful in the small things. Just get up tomorrow and say, Lord, I want today to be a day of faithfulness. I don't want to be faithful to you in the big things and the small things, but I want to learn to be faithful. I can't be faithful without being what? Wise. Amen. How many of you find yourself constantly crying out for God's wisdom? I pray that every one of you would raise your hands. I hope a day doesn't go by that your heart is not crying out for the Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit's wisdom. You need His wisdom for everything in your life. And I hope you find your heart just constantly crying out, wisdom, wisdom. How many places in Scripture does God promise that? Amen? We know James 1. We could list countless other ones. James 1, where God promises to anyone who asks in faith, He'll not only give it, He'll pour it out abundantly. The Father wants to give you His wisdom. Jesus wants to give you His wisdom. The Holy Spirit wants to give you your wisdom. Just go to God in your heart and say out loud, Brian in his flesh is dumb, 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 dumb. I'm ignorant. I'm a fool. I must have the Father's wisdom. I must have Jesus' wisdom. I must have the Holy Spirit's wisdom. I cannot live in readiness without your wisdom in these last days. Keep asking for it. Keep seeking for it. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Now, the servant was not just faithful and wise. He was what? Working. And it wasn't that big a deal. You know, it, well, I think it's a big deal because it's of the Lord. What was his job? Yeah, like some of you women, what was he doing? Y'all do it often. He's in the charge of the household to do what? 
to give them the food at the proper time. That was his job. His job was to give them the food, right, at the proper time, in the proper way. And uh, when the master came, he says, I want to find you doing what? Sir, you know, it's not a bad thing to be getting dinner on the table when Jesus shows up, amen, at the final time. You know, just being faithful in doing. Like I told you, sometimes Jesus, the reason he's saying this is that in this whole section of Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, when he's talking about living in readiness, living every single day as if it might be the day, ready for the face-to-face day. Like I told you that story when David Wilkerson said that whole group wanted to go out in the Arizona desert, you know? know? Jesus is coming. Let's go out in the desert and get ready. Does that work? No. Or to build the convent, you know, does that work? No, it doesn't work, does it? God wants you... With hand at the plow, right? Doing the work, working. He doesn't want you panicking. He doesn't want you afraid. He wants you to learn how to be an active worker in what he's calling you to do. Now, I love it when Jesus said to his disciples in John 4, do you remember it? His disciples come back from town. Jesus looks them right in the face, and he says, I have food to eat. Can you imagine him saying this to you or to me? I have food to eat that you do not know about or understand. And the disciples were what? Confused. Did somebody come give him food while we were out in town buying it? (laughs) We went to town to buy him food and bring him food, and now we bring him food, and he says that he has food that we don't know about. And what was his food? My food is to do the work and the will of my Father who sent me. To be working. To be working. Just to understand God's callings on your life. Not huge things. It doesn't have to be. That's the thing. Someone thinks, well, I need some huge, famous, you know, calling. No. God just wants you to be faithful in the small things, just working in what he's given you for that day, one day at a time. Amen? Just to be working for the Lord. Amen? That whatever you're doing it, you're doing it for who? For him. You know, isn't it great that every task begins to become holy because it's unto who? The Lord. I mean that. I mean it very vividly. If you are on your knees cleaning the toilet and you are doing it unto the Lord, it is holy, holy, holy work. Amen? Whatever you're doing, the task, what's important is not the task so much as what? Who you're doing it for. Who you're doing it for. So you learn to do everything for the Lord. Amen? It doesn't matter what it is. Well, it's a big or small. I'm doing it unto the Lord. I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm doing it for the Father and the Holy Spirit. I have food to do that you know not of to do the work of my Father. Just ask Him to show you. That task may be unbelievably small. That's fine, right? For the day, what little thing He may have you do. You'll be amazed at different things. Just the little things He might have you do. Learning to what? Listen, because the Holy Spirit at times will have people. Like one of the beautiful things I loved about Kansas' testimony when she texted it to me was when she was saying God was waking her up in the middle of the night. Isn't that a good thing when God does that? God wakes you up in the middle of the night to seek his face. Does that to Angela all the time. You know, she'll wake me up at times. She'll wake me up. I'll say, well, you don't need to wake me up, honey. (laughs) She'll tell me somebody God put it on her heart to pray for I said, that's for you, girl. (laughs) But if you'll listen, God will show you things that he has for you to do. Amen. Just to be working for the Lord. And even if it's no big deal, 
You know, just do it for the Lord, what you're doing for different people. I love serving my neighbors, and one of the great things is when God will teach you to do things for your neighbors. Amen? Just serving small things, putting out their trash can or other little things, just to learn to do those tasks and to do them for the Lord. Amen? Okay, so he was a faithful servant, a wise servant, a working, and what was the fourth thing he was? He was a servant. So how was he prepared? He was faithful, he was wise, he was working, and he was a what? Servant. God just longs to, God is looking for humble servants. Don't you like the Second Chronicles seven fourteen prayer? The first thing says, if my people who are called by my name will what? humble themselves and pray and seek my face and repent. The sad thing is when the church does become the opposite, when Candace talked about grieving for the church, when instead we become prideful, prayerless, lukewarm, and unrepentant. That is a dangerous place, isn't it? Prideful, prideful, prayerless, lukewarm, unrepentant, those four devastating. But the great thing I liked about Candace's testimony was when she was talking about that, she said her heart was crying for that. You see the difference? She wasn't condemning people for being like that. Her heart was broken for that. God's looking for people who will just be humble servants. I love it when Pastor Bill tells me that in all the time he's been at Bethlehem, he's wanted to be nothing. He says, the only thing, Brian, I've ever wanted to be is a humble housekeeper. He said, that's all I've ever wanted to be. He says, I hardly even call myself pastor of this church. I'm the housekeeper. It's the Lord's house. And he says, all I want to be is a humble housekeeper. Amen? Just to be a humble housekeeper. So God wants us to be what? Servants. Don't you want to just be a humble servant? Don't you love Mary's word? Be it unto me. I am the bond slave of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. Don't you want to, Mark, just be a bond slave for Jesus? Just to be a bond slave. Not seeking anything for him or for his name or for his glory, but just say, I'm your bond slave. I'm your bond slave. Use me however you choose. I'll be whatever you want me to do. I just want to be a what? Servant. So how can we be ready? <laughs> we can be ready by being a faithful, wise working servant. And then one thing I like about Scripture when I read it, it really helps me. We were just reading this passage. Don't you at times need to be shook up a little bit? You know, I read a passage like this in Matthew 24 when he talks about this wise, this faithful, wise, working servant. But then what does he say? Blessed is that servant whom the master finds working when he comes Truly I say to you, he'll put him in charge of all of his possessions. Does he stop there? No. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master's not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that servant's going to come on a day when he doesn't expect him, at an hour which he doesn't know, and he will cut him into pieces, assign him a place with hypocrites, weeping will be there in the gnashing of teeth. There's nobody who weeps more than the Lord when he says words like that. You know, words like that are meant to shake us up, aren't they? I mean, what, you know, one thing God's put on my heart, I love it when the Holy Spirit speaks, speaks to me and I start writing down things that he said to me. One thing he has said to me, literally, I can tell you a hundred times, is no more games. No more games. No more church games. 
No more games. This is too serious. And you read something like that. And all of a sudden Jesus says, I'm warning you that those who don't listen or aren't ready, this is going to happen to them. Like being cut into pieces and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That will happen. I mean, does, you read that and I read that and it just shakes me when I read a passage like that. I, I go, wow, I don't hear that often enough. I need to hear that. You know, when I read the Bible, I can hardly go through a chapter without at least one warning. You notice that? God gives me encouragements and exhortations. Encouragements and exhortations. One minute He gives me a promise that makes me dance with joy. The next minute He gives me a warning that makes me tremble in my boots. We need that. Amen? You'll know that something's wrong in a church that you go to regularly. If you don't hear regularly in church warnings that shake you up, something's wrong. Because they're all over this book. Amen? And if this book's being taught, how can you read a passage like that and not say, wow. Right? Can you hear that? That I want you to be a faithful, wise, working servant. And those that are not, wow, it's not a game, is it? Boy, it's not a game in any sense or way. So we'll stop there. I wanted to talk. We brought the lamp, didn't we, Joel? But uh, I don't think we have time today. <laughs> but I'll bring my lamp picture back again. The Lord wanted it that anyway. And we'll talk about that next time. But may the Lord continue to teach us to learn how to live in readiness. Pastor Joseph and I even texted today on that. I want to learn how to live in readiness. Amen. I want Jesus to teach me how. I want the Father to teach me how. I want the Holy Spirit. Like Pastor Joseph even said to me today, he texted me back and he said, Jesus might come when you're not expecting him. When you're not expecting him. You need to learn to live in readiness. Now we'll close just with one last application. I've been thinking a lot about 2 Chronicles 7.14. Isn't it great to learn how to pray scripture into our heart? And I was taking those four things and saying, I need to pray those more in my heart. Don't you want more of that? And I've been connecting each one to Jesus. I prayed this for everyone in Koinonia all day today and all this week I've been praying the 2 Chronicles 7.14 prayer for you. So this is what I've been praying for you. I've been praying, number one, that you'll have the humility of Jesus. That Jesus will fill your heart with his humility. But number two, Jesus will make you a prayer warrior like himself. He'll teach you to pray like Jesus prays. Then number three, he'll make you a true seeker, that you'll seek God just like Jesus did. And that number four, he'll give you repentance as a gift from him. Isn't that a great thing? A great thing. So that Jesus will give you his humility. Jesus will give you his prayer life. Jesus will give you his seeking. And Jesus will give you the gift of repentance. Amen? And if he does that in your heart, he's going to be doing some great things to prepare you. Amen? Father, we do thank you for this truth. We pray that you would teach every one of us in the room, whether we're young as Jonathan or a little bit older, to learn how to live in readiness, that today might be the face-to-face -face day. How many times did you say, Jesus, you would come at an unexpected hour or an unexpected time? Help us live in readiness and help us learn. Teach us how to live in readiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.